welcome to the first episode of our podcast. Uh, it's me, Jake, and James. Hi. Hello. Um, we are doing this podcast. It's called J&J Do The Franchise. And we're doing franchises, so movie franchises. We decided to start with a big franchise, a British one. A bit closer to my heart than it is to James's, I think. <laughs> but... Um, we're going with Harry Potter, and James, do you want to just tell anyone that's listening why we chose to go with Harry Potter as our first franchise? We chose Harry Potter because, unimaginably, I've been able to avoid Harry Potter <laughs> my entire life, it seems, except for, I have done the Harry Potter studio tour down in London. How, did that, was, how did that go? <laughs> well, when they opened with, has anybody got any questions, my initial thought was, you're going to regret that. <laughs> All of the questions. <laughs> Every single one. What's this? What's that? Before we start, because me and James have just... Well, yeah, we'll go into that in a second. We've just started watching the Potter films. What was your first initial thought when you went into a studio tour about a franchise you'd never even heard of or seen before? There's a lot of brickwork and stone. Uh, I wasn't quite sure. I knew there was obviously wizarding involved. People had mentioned that it's about wizards. Um, and, And, yeah, there was not quite as much magic but I guess it's real life when you're actually on the studio tour but I saw some things I had no idea it's what they were mostly polystyrene right it, yeah yeah there's a lot of polystyrene things. animatronics I think I saw a dragon I'm not sure but I'm hoping more of it will make sense as we watch the films so me and James have just sat and watched two and a half hours of the first Harry Potter film which actually is a lot longer than I thought it was I, I remember it didn't um, actually seem as long as do you think it was all right? Yeah. That was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, um, not to be confused with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which is what it was called in America when it was released. Ah. Americans, I guess, just didn't understand the concept of a philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> There's magic talkers. <laughs> the people that write books <laughs> and invent things of stupid bastards. <laughs> um, so, James, what was, your th- what was your first thoughts on watching Philosopher's Stone? What did you think of the first film? The first film, enjoyed. Liked it a lot. I think it, w- it wasn't quite what I expected. There were things that were darker in it than I imagined for a, a kiddies film. Oh, okay. Um, you know, certain thick topics I didn't expect, like decapitation. Yeah. Um, and hang on, when did that? Ha- oh, oh, yeah, what, that headless, what, headless, headless ghost it, played he, by um, John Cleese. John Cleese shows the inside of his neck it's to yours, three yeah. children, which can't be good. Um, I, I hope those children aren't scarred for life. I'm actually looking on the Blu-ray as we speak, and I don't know what the rating was. I think. They're PG, yeah, they're PG. They're both PG. PG, okay. Yeah, parental guidance. Um, yeah, I, I think they get darker, so I think... Well, they do get darker, so I think they're going to get a higher rating as they go. I don't think they get to, like, 18 or something like that. <laughs> this is an R-rated wizard. It's not a film. Like decapitation, <laughs> blood, and guts. To be fair, though, it this film just opened like all good kids' films should open, yeah. with a creepy Richard Harris stalking the streets of Surrey. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? He's a really old man with a really big beard with really weird glasses in a really long cape. We don't know if he's wearing anything underneath. And what's he do, James? He's stealing the light out of the light bulbs to make everything dark. And he's followed by a very worried woman who has a 
identity crisis. Is she a cat? Is she a woman? We just don't know. It's a cat woman. It's a cat woman. <laughs> it would be funnier if Richard Harris was not talking to McGonagall, but actually just talking to a cat. It was the wrong cat. It was yeah. just a different, an actual cat. <laughs> I mean, how do we know the difference? We'll come on to that later, because there is, yes, okay, there is well. something later that confused me. Right, I've got, I need to look at my notes, actually, because I feel like I've done a terrible job of rambling so far. Um, I have put in my initial... The best thing about this film, I think, overall, probably John Williams' score, it's really good, isn't it? Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. It's, well, it's beautiful, it's classic, and it's just, it's John Williams. And it's one of the few John Williams scores that doesn't sound like the other ones. Yeah, like, it's it quite unique John itself, Williams, isn't it? Yeah. But if I ask you to hum the Superman theme, and then ask you to hum yeah. the Indiana Jones theme... You can't do it because they sound very similar. It's like people that try and hum the um, the funeral theme and end up singing the Darth Vader theme. Try to think of it. Anyone does that at home? I do that all the time by trying to hum. Which I, it's the thing that the Undertaker comes out to in, in wrestling, and I don't. I, I'm trying to hum it in my head. I'm not going to do it on the podcast, but I think it's something like a, it's, the intonation's very similar anyway yeah. to the to the Empire Strikes Back Darth Vader theme. <laughs> I've put that, I've put, I've put actually, which I kind of, I don't know if I regret putting it, I've put, movie hasn't aged well. <laughs> well, when they open with the lady that can transform from a cat to a teacher, they don't show that transformation apart from shadow work. Mm. But that kind of shows where, what, what the money got spent on. It got spent <laughs> on a John Williams score. I mean, you've got to put the money somewhere. They clearly didn't spend it on the kid actors, did they? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get on to that in a minute. I said, um, me and James were talking to this. I, when I was halfway through the film, I found myself counting dead actors <laughs> that I kept seeing on screen. And I kept a little tally. I did lose track by the time I got to um, the middle bit of the film. I know that we've had we had Richard Harris, first person, dead. Richard Griffiths, who plays um, the, the, the uncle, Vernon yeah. Dudley dead yeah vernon troyer i believe is one of the um goblins who's in the bank yeah dead mm -hmm. and then of course john hurt the wizard in the shop sells the one the one maker dead alan rickman dead and then i've put one here maggie smith question mark because i don't know if she's dead i haven't even googled it yet but i will be googling it for the next episode i will look into that i think she i think she's still alive Folks at home, this is the kind of solid research you can look forward to. <laughs> I don't think to. she's alive. I don't think she's dead. Um, and then I've put, yeah, child actors. Um, what were your thoughts on our three stars? Well, just in terms of the, the child actors, they um, are there. Yeah. And they read their lines. And they've obviously had some form of coaching, which they blatantly ignored because they figured they'd know what was best. I don't know if Emma Watson had coaching or if that was just her voice. Right. I think that's just... She went to quite a posh school. I know that... I've got this uh, for later. I've sort of written some facts for you. She went to private school and, and they auditioned a load of girls from her school and she was the last girl to audition. She didn't even want to audition for it, apparently. She was like, it's too good for me there. Mm. Too good for this. But she auditioned for it and then got it oh, out of okay. a bunch of girls that were hand-picked from her private school. That's what I read. I don't know how true that is. Again, well-researched facts. <laughs> but I think that is, I think she was actually, um, she was picked for them for that reason. So I don't think it's as much acting as we think it is. <laughs> and then you've got Rupert Grint, who I don't think is acting at all. <laughs> and then I've got Daniel Radcliffe, who's doing, he's 
He gets better. He gets better. Yeah. He does I get think better. Of the three of them, Daniel Radcliffe seems to be the only one who's aware he's in a film. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with that. Even the other kid actors, they seem to look around a lot. They don't yeah. know where they are or what they've been doing there. Mm. What were you going to say? What was your next bit? Uh, right, so, um, scene opens obviously, obviously with creepy Richard Griffiths. Not Richard Griffiths. Richard Harris. Richard Harris. Both dead. Both dead. Uh, dropping off the child with to Richard Griffiths. Did you know what was going on there? Do you understand that? I, I didn't understand. I wrote, unrelated pagans have stolen a child. <laughs> <laughs> really cut up about leaving it. <laughs> so that, when they take the kid, Harry, the yeah. kid, the kid, when they take that random kid, when the baby Harry is left on the doorstep, that is the doorstep of the auntie and uncle, who he doesn't like. Right. The fat auntie and uncle. And he's just survived the the thing where he's been attacked by Voldemort. Okay. It's the same night that Voldemort's killed his mum and dad, and then Harry's been taken from... Again, so he's an orphan now, mm -hmm. so he's been taken to live with the only relatives he's got, which are these horrible auntie and uncles that... Right, their rel relatives didn't realise. Yeah. Um, the woman, the bony-faced woman, um, yeah. that's his mum's sister. Okay. So that does become a little that bit more... It becomes more important later on as the story develops. I think it's just okay. kind of... I don't... Yeah, you're right. I don't think it was very well introduced in the film. No. There's loads of things you'll find like this that I'm going to be nitpicking because I've read all the books and watched all the films. <laughs> You've seen nothing. There's so many little things where you start to pick out why they did certain things the way they did and there's things they left out that make no sense. And then there's things that only the fans of the books will, will get. Yeah. Which is always the sense when you make a film from a book, but... They do really weird stuff with big plot points that are just left completely <laughs> not, not, you know, there's nothing. They're not even uh, noted by, by anybody. Um, child actors I've put in here. The director of this film, who was Chris Columbus, you might know, directed uh, Home Alone 1 and 2, uh, among and other didn't films. didn't he discover the Americas? <laughs> yeah, he did. Not the same guy. <laughs> ah. It was a different Chris Columbus. I was going to say... He's... That was Christopher Columbus. <laughs> Makes more sense. Although he did, he did have his work cut out because apparently, and I've got my facts on here, and I'm, and people that could listen to this have no idea what I'm doing. I'm reading from far, far distance. I need to get my eyes tested. Directors that could have been involved in this movie. So while developing it with J.K. Rowling, you had these names were attached to the film. Terry Gillan from okay. Monty Python. He was attached to it. Then it was Mike Newell, who is a sort of rom com and kids director. Fair. Mike Newell actually directs one of these films. Oh, okay. one of the, Well, I think it's the fourth film. We'll go into that in a bit. Tim Robbins was going to direct it at one point. Then, a really weird one, M. Night Shyamalan was going to direct it. Which <laughs> of course he was. What an interesting film that would have been. I also read, and I haven't found this on the internet, but I don't know where I've read it, but they reckon that there was a strong possibility that Tim Burton was going to direct one of them. I don't know if he was going to start it off or if he was going to make the, the, the later ones, but there was Tim Burton was a name that was floating around for a the, while. The theme is kind of, like, the theme mm. music is kind of Burton-y, so I can see... It probably would have worked with Tim Burton, wouldn't it? It would have been a very different You'd film. You'd have Danny Elfman there doing all the score, yeah. wouldn't you? And then Chris Columbus is the, the last name, and Chris Columbus did Home Alone. Casting, obviously, he was famous for casting Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. Um, and again, Macaulay Culkin's just sort of... He's all right, isn't he? Yeah. He's not great. No. I think that film benefits from all the other actors that are in it and the fact that it's really funny yeah and i think because he's american and he just shouts a lot he gets away with it yeah yeah definitely yeah radcliffe could have done with a role where he shouted more mm -hmm. or, or just emoted more 
I kind of really good fact for you. I wanted to tell you this when we were on the mic. Um, talk about casting. They cast Hedwig the Owl before they cast Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> right. That, I love that fact. How good is that? I, that is amazing. I have owl questions. Go on. I have so many owl questions. Yes, so, yeah. Owls deliver letters, right? They are the postal service for the wizards, yeah. Is... Hedwig, is that his name? That's the that's the white owl, yeah. That's the that's white owl, owl yeah. Is he solely Harry's owl, or does he deliver other letters? Is his job with Harry, like, his day off? <laughs> that's a good question. I think he... No, he takes Harry's mail back and forth to people, so he does do more delivering mail in his later career in the films and the books. Right. But he, he's, out, he's Harry's pet, so, yeah, he kind of just does what he does. Seems... So Harry's 11 at this yeah, point. Yeah, they do have owls that specifically run the postal service that are, like, not pets, they just live in a postal depot, I guess. <laughs> so there's, there's an I owl really like caste system. I really like was when I was saying that out loud. Yeah. Okay. Um, I love that. I love that he was cast. I've got another owl fact somewhere that I, I got for you as well. The letter, this is great. The letters for the movie had to be redesigned, as originally they were too heavy for the owls to carry. <laughs> Attaching them to owl beaks, they were just falling out of the sky everywhere. Oh, poor owls! Mm. I, I also wrote, do Hogwarts never run out of owls? They have an owlery. Ow owlery? Am I saying that right? Owlery. Owlery. I think that's it. Yeah, we'll go with that. So it's like a big. It's in one of the films. You'll see it. There's like a big tower that all the owls live in. Yeah. It's just full of shit and letters <laughs> and owl feathers. <laughs> you do see it at one of the films later on. Brilliant. Um, I also wrote, why do letters cause earthquakes? Well, when they come down the chimney. Yeah, why? there's a rumble. Why is there a rumble? Oh, I think it's just dramatic irony, isn't it? It's a dramatic <laughs> effect to show you that there's a lot of them. Um, I've put as well... I love this. I, yeah, I was thinking about when he goes to the to the pet shop. No one seems to care or worry about where that python went when we and you were talking about this whilst the film was on. Yeah. So at one point, Harry makes the glass disappear at the beginning of the film yeah. and then the little fat boy whose cousin falls into the pool and then the snake comes out and just fucks off somewhere and no one seems the, the to The snake that's already clearly indicated to Harry that it was bred from captivity. <laughs> yeah, it has no, no idea spills. how to hunt. It's not going to... It's going to get killed. It's a little bit like Harry Potter and Harambe have just happened where you feel like Dudley's fell into this lion sanctuary Harry, oh, it's really funny. That snake's been killed. That snake's yeah. definitely been killed. That, yeah, it, it shouldn't have been so grateful. No, it was really sad, actually. Um, yeah, what else have you got from the first bit of the film? We went through the bit where he goes to Dudley. I said, when, you know when Hagrid arrives at the, um, I guess you'd call it the Airbnb on yeah. the island, where they're on that like random island with all the rain and thunderstorms <laughs> in the middle of the North Sea. Is it a British holiday? It was like a proper British, like Butlins, wasn't yeah. it? Um, I've put... Very Roald Dahl esque. Do you know when the when Hagrid arrives and they make it really ominous and scary, yeah. and then when he comes in, he's got like an umbrella and it's really stupid. I thought that was really good. I thought it was very. I think now I've read more Dahl, Roald Dahl books, and I've kind of appreciated how brilliant it is. You can tell where J.K. Rowling gets a lot of the inspiration for those kind of um, those beats, those moments, those characters. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that will. Yeah, I could see appealing to kids mm. and lots of. Motifs that they might have seen, or had their, you know, the parents read them, Rob Dahl or something like that. Mm. They would. It's have got that idea. sort of wacky element to it, where 
you're not quite sure what to make of things, but then things are quite funny. But watching it as an adult, I wrote, flimsy building has very sturdy door. <laughs> <laughs> it's really boring, isn't it? That's why it's really boring going up, because you start to worry about things like brickwork. Yeah. And, and the brickwork and hinges. <laughs> you worry about, how stable are these hinges? Yeah, I, I feel like, as an adult, that, that is a deposit that his fake parents are never getting back. They've probably they've yeah. probably paid money to stay there. They're never seeing that money again. That for me is like that little bunker they stay in. It's like to me, it's every holiday your mum and dad are promised they're going to be amazing, and you go and it's just shit. Like you say, oh, we're going to stay at this cottage. It's going to be amazing. It's near the sea. And they say near the sea. It's on the edge of a fucking cliff. <laughs> You're in an island somewhere, surrounded by sharks. Like, mum, this isn't what I had in mind. Go and play. What, in the gravel? Go and play in the gravel. <laughs> Sorry, I've, di- I've, I've digressed. Not at all. I, I have then mm. discussed further in my notes that Hagrid's brolly seems like a useful tool. Hope they use it later. They never do. They never did, did they, I don't think. Did they? Yeah. Does he? Where? Yeah. It not only shoots fire, but can open walls. Because he taps the brickwork, doesn't he, when, he, oh, when they're yeah, going the into the uh, when they're going into iPhone password on the bricks. Yes. <laughs> and if I said to you, if he gets it wrong three times, he has to reset his Apple ID <laughs> or restore the wall. <laughs> yeah, he gets through the Diagon, Diagon Alley. You like Diagon Alley, didn't you? You've, I, it you've was, seen that, haven't you? Yeah, I've seen that. That was in the tour, I think. Oh, there was an alley anyway. Um, and like it was, that. Yeah, that was good. Like the shambles at York. Yeah, it was just like going to York. And who doesn't like going to York? I feel like we take going to York for granted. I think for the American people listening, they probably won't understand what that is. It's just basically a little street in a small town, a very historical town in Britain. Yeah. Which and J.K. It, Rowling based that whole scene of Diagonal Leaves based on the York Shambles. And if you don't, Google the York Shambles if you're listening to us and you have no idea what they are, because they are quite cool. Yeah. And it's obviously nothing like New York. New York wasn't modelled They're not like the York. New York shambles, no. no. I don't know what the New York shambles is. It probably it's probably Wall sort of, Street, to be fair. Probably <laughs> some sort of football team or yeah, Wall Street. Come to the New York shambles. I uh, I then wrote more fat shaming with pigtail. Yeah. <laughs> all the, all the he bad just fat shamed that kid quite a bit, didn't he? <laughs> I did think that was a bit a bit disco- a bit um, a bit a bit horrible, isn't it? And and Harry yeah. is offered a very difficult choice at, at that point. Hagrid offers him the opportunity to join his cult or stay oppressed by his parents. That's so mad. He does. And also, he's not packed any clothes. He's only got the one shirt and trousers. I mean, I know he's not got a lot of stuff anyway because he's like, he doesn't know he's a rich He lives kid. under a staircase. He lives, in, he, lives in a, he lives in a cupboard under the stairs. That, that's the case of domestic child abuse, isn't it? I mean, my God. If you were one of the neighbours and you knew that those auntie and uncles were keeping... A little kid under someone must have known. Somebody <laughs> in that neighbourhood must know that something's going on there. Imagine that. Imagine your neighbour keeping a kid under the stairs, and you say, "Well, how's Harry? We don't love him." What? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe because there's no pictures of him in the house. You notice that when you see the the house in Harry Potter, yeah. it's just all the pictures of the fat kid. And I'm saying fat kid, I feel really bad. The bigger kid of the two kids. What was I his name? D- Dudley. Dudley. I don't even think he's that fat. He's no. Not, he's chunky, but he's not that fat, is I mean, he? It, it's puppy weight, isn't it? It's baby yeah, weight. Yeah, he's a kid. He's yeah. like 10. 
Yeah, yeah, I think it is really bad that they, they fat shame him but, so much. Like, all the bad people are, are, are quite overweight because his dad's overweight and he's bad. The mum's very skinny, though. Ah, that's true. Um, she, 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 she does force him to cook the bacon. She does. It's terrible. It is. It's something real. Again, I think that's very Oliver Twist, that moment, <laughs> isn't it? In the film where he's under the stairs and he's cooking the food and he doesn't get any presents and he's, he's sort of uh, not abused, but he's neglected, I think is the word, isn't he? He's neglected yeah. by then. Um, let's move forward with this. I've um, put Harry goes to the pub with Hagrid. Everything is frozen in the nineteenth century. <laughs> Do you not notice that when he goes yeah. from modern London into like a Dickens novel? Yeah. And that pub is in the films quite a bit. It's in the next three or four films okay. and various different, but it's done in different ways. It's never ever done like that again with right. like all these Victorian-looking people smoking pipes. Okay. It doesn't look That'll like that. Interesting. Do they eventually get to a point where they accept contactless payment? No. Oh, they don't. okay. They don't. So it doesn't modernise that much? No. No. Fair <laughs> no, it doesn't. Fair it doesn't. They I'm expecting use... too much. I mean, just to be say that Harry Potter has come from a 90s home, so he's in Britain living in Surrey in the 90s, he's probably got like a Tamagotchi, or someone has got it, or he's got like, he's probably seen a Sega Mega Drive. Yeah. He knows what these things are, do you know what I mean? And then he has to go to a school where they don't have pens and they only use quills. But it's all right because they will touch on this a lot, I think, yeah. uh, over this episode. But they don't teach those kids anything. Those yeah. kids don't learn English or maths. No, I don't know how the teachers are so eloquent because they must have gone through the same schooling. Although, <laughs> it, Hagrid does describe Hogwarts as the best wizarding school. Which makes me think there's yeah. a league table, and there's, there must be yeah. other wizardings. Do we meet any of the yes, wizarding schools? we do, James. We do later on. Oh, fantastic. I don't Can't think wait. there's any more in England. They, they don't allude to if there is anywhere. I don't think there is. Um, um, I'm okay. sure we'll get some angry fans that actually love Harry Potter ripping us apart. Fans, I am so sorry. When this podcast goes out, they'll be like, yeah, James and Jane know nothing about this. We don't. We know nothing about this franchise. <laughs> Not really. I mean, I read the books. I know a little bit more than James when I was a kid, and I'm revisiting it as an adult. But we are, we are ignorant, aren't we? We don't really know anything. We're going into this um, in a blind way, really just to see what the fuss is all about, I, it, to be honest. I'm, I'm definitely watching this film too old to really appreciate some of the magic because I've written Capitalist Economy Makes Expensive Brooms. <laughs> they do, and sell them to children. So there's, there's an expensive broom. The Nimbus 2000 I've written down is, is the, the fastest broom, costs a lot of money. It does, yeah. All the kids ogle. This broom yeah, yeah. on the way yeah. in. Yeah, I saw that bit. They love it, don't they? They do love the broom. I've got a big problem with the part of this film, and okay. I don't know why. And it only really, since watching it with you, since going back as an adult, and I never realised it before. <sighs> why? All right, the goblins, there's goblins, they run the banks. Yes. They're snidey, untrustworthy, grouchy, crooked-nosed. Really sharp teeth. Sharp teeth. They're sort of demonic. They they're not very they're not very nice to people. They're a bit grouchy. They look after all the wizard money in the wizard world, and I can't help but feel there's something really odd about it. Is it is it because why are they in charge of the money? This book the book was written from what I understand when it came out and all the fuss about it. Mm. This book was written when she was not earning a lot. Yeah, she was. Um, JK, Joanne Rowling was, was living in a one bedroom flat with her daughter, I believe, when she wrote it. She had the inspiration on a train journey. So, yeah. I wonder if she just doesn't like money. 
or people that have money, or yeah, yeah that like the, the people maybe they represent, the yeah, maybe they just like a, an evil representation of greed. That is a good way of looking at it. Probably better than the way I was looking at it because I was sort of freaked out by it. <laughs> I thought this seems a little bit odd. This, I mean, it's still quite dark. Like, like someone who's obviously gone on to become one of the richest, if not the richest, women in the yeah. UK. Now, be, be, when you look back at this, it, yeah, it's weird. Um, I wrote Harry comes from money can probably buy expensive broom now. Yeah, when when the when the door opens and he's just got a pile of Cyril Sneer's money. Yeah, it's really strange, isn't it? Because that opens the film to. I mean, it changes our perception of Harry, for me and you anyway. Yeah. I think it sort of makes him a rich kid. Yeah, he 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 now is is not disadvantaged anymore. No. Like obviously, he doesn't have parents. Big disadvantage, but in terms of like, he can afford a mortgage now. He, he can afford a mortgage. He can. He can do what he needs to do comfortably. We're going to get onto this in a lot more depth as the films go on, I feel. Because me and my best friend um, from childhood, Mark, we both have a big problem with this in that Harry does fuck all for Ron. <laughs> Ron's basically on the breadline throughout the entire series. And Harry's got a vault full of money, of gold. And I'm going to go on. I will be talking about this, I think, in the next one and the next one more in more depth because it's more relevant then. But I'm just going to put it out there. His friend, his best friend, just has nothing. He can't even afford new robes. That, yeah, when you put it that way... It's really cruel. It, that is cruel. Um, Harry then, once he collects his money, starts accruing items. For school, yeah. For school. And he's, he's looking for a wand. So he goes and meets John Hurt, yeah. who remembers all the wands he's ever sold. That was an interesting fact, wasn't it? Yeah. That was really odd. Um, and after meeting him, Harry then breaks his shop through the process of choosing a wand. And I just wrote, people don't buy guns this way. <laughs> just shooting up the shop. Yeah. Uh, I, I assume... For anyone obviously... that's listening to this podcast in the US, can you please comment, do people buy guns like that? Because I've never bought a gun, so I don't know the answer to that. That might be true, might not be true. I would assume the wisest way to sell a gun is without the ammunition. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Because surely, if you, things have happened. if you sell it with the ammunition, you probably won't get any money. No, it's like that <laughs> bit in Terminator. Um, I will go while we're going through the film, because we've got a lot to cover and not that much time to do it in. But my other facts that I've got for you, I'm going to read them out and just see what your reaction is to them, and then we'll move on to the next bit. <clears throat> so I gave you the directors. Yeah. Um, this film, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, was originally planned to be an animated movie featuring Haley Joel Osmond as the voice of Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that? I, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I want to see that film. That sounds great, but I think the one we got was probably better. Uh, Peeves the Poltergeist, which will mean nothing to you, was a comedy character from the book and a ghost that goes around the castle causing tricks. And the fans who are listening to this will know a lot about this character because he's heavily featured in the books. Um, he's not in the film oh, okay. at all and he's not in any of the following films which is really strange but he was cast and he was his scenes were shot with the actor Rick Mayo playing Peeves no and apparently he made the kids laugh too much that's oh. why they cut all his scenes out of the film and again oh, to add to my list of dead celebrities who are in this film Rick Mayo would have been the crowning jewel if he was in this because he's one of my favourite comedians and such a brilliant more, bloke. More tragic because not only is he dead, <clears> he plays a ghost. Film. Yeah, he plays a ghost in the film and he was cut from the film. Imagine how good it would have been if he was in it. 
I mean, I think the the rule we're slowly learning here is don't star in Harry Potter films. It's not looking good, is it? Especially if you're over the age of 50. <laughs> uh, Rupert Grint did his audition for Ron as an improvised rap whilst dressed in drag. That explains certain things. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about these. I'm just going to let you listen to them. Okay. Um, UK child labour laws had to be changed following the shooting of Harry Potter. Were they not able to work them hard enough? I think that was a big part of it, yeah. Wow. Um, Alan Rickman, playing Professor Snape, recalled during the filming of the earlier films, very small adult actors around 33 years old had to wear a wig on their heads and crouch down and fill in the roles of Radcliffe, Watson and Grin so that children, so that the children actors, uh, child actors could do their homework. As a small person myself, yep. I'm all in favour of that. That, 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 should mean, that should mean there's more work <coughs> for people. Yeah. Another one. Canterbury Cathedral refused to let Warner Brothers film the Harry Potter film sequences in their church due to its association with paganism. <laughs> <laughs> so when I said pagan child snatchers earlier, I wasn't far you off. You weren't far off. I think that Canterbury Cathedral would share that sentiment with you. Um, philosophers have to be changed to sorcerers in the US. I told you about that. Uh, that is in every part of the movies. Every mention of the word philosopher, stone or philosopher mm. had to be reshot and they had to change it to sorcerers. That's Appar- a lot of work. I know. Apparently sorcerer was more dramatic. It worked better with the American audience. Oh, American okay. kids wouldn't be interested if it was a philosopher. I don't really know. <laughs> Apparently it was done with the book as well and Rowling has since said that if that were the case now I think she would have just given them two fingers because I mean look how big they are yeah. I don't think that would have been a problem if it were like the fourth or fifth one but I think because it was the first one it was people were a little bit more nitpicky with it J.K. Rowling was asked to play Harry's mum in the mirror scene um, but declined because she didn't want to be associated as being an actor with ah, the film she'd rather just be a producer author, yeah. mm. okay that's cool but they wanted her to play Harry's mum because she gave birth to Harry I guess a weird a weird yeah yeah you could you could say that uh i've got like two more facts robbie coltrane and alan rickman were both handpicked for their roles by rolling okay she she picked well she said that they were a deal breaker so if they couldn't play those two roles if they couldn't get them she weren't going to do the film she wasn't going to sign the rights over apparently so that's interesting that is yeah um the last fact the word muggle comes from a jazz word used to describe people who are smoking pot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I've got to find some for the next film. Yeah. That'll be uh, I'm enjoying these. My facts, facts of the Philosopher's Stone. Do you like those? I, I do like those. I do like those. They, it, it's in, I always find, in, it was like this when I was getting into music, that the, uh, the way that? something was made mm. was often more interesting than the actual end product oh yeah it can be in a lot of sense it's kind of in a lot of cases um i this i mean i have written some ridiculous things then about you and i was watching this film um it took a long time for anyone to mention that harry's parents were killed by a famous wizard an infamous dark wizard like he spoke to a lot of people and he was with harry all day did nobody think to tell him this a bit earlier yeah like it's a bit uh, weird isn't it? from my understanding so far this evil wizard is basically their Hitler. Yes, yes he is. That's pretty much exactly what he is. And like World War Two, kids are made aware of that in school now. I think at a young age. Mm. 
But yeah, you'd think people would let Harry know. I think it's really weird that he's introduced to a world that he knows nothing about, but in the world everyone knows everything about him. That's strange. Yeah. And the thing I said to you earlier, why can't any of the kids in the school do any of the things that Harry can't... Harry can't do them because he's not a wizard yet. Then he wasn't brought up as a wizard. Mm. A lot of the other kids at that school have got 11 years of their life behind them and they have already done 11 years living with their mum and dad who are wizards and witches. So why can't they fly brooms, James? Why can't they do things that wizards should be able to do by the age of 11? Yeah, but magic seems new to everybody. Yes. But it shouldn't. No. Should it? Really? And obviously you've got all this this history. Hermione's the most clever one and she's not a wizard. Her uh, witch, her mum and dad are dentists in the book. So she's new school. She's like a, she's what you call a mudblood. But you find out about that in the next in the next film. Mudblood. I'll try and remember that. That's so, fine. So she comes from dentists, but is a bit of a bookworm. It, yeah. She gets stuff done. She gets stuff done because she reads a lot, and that's why she knows more than Ron. Even though Ron's lived in this world for eleven years, he's picked up hardly any knowledge at all of what's well, going on. He did learn how to electrocute his rat. He did. Yeah, he did. Um, shall we move to when they get to the school? Uh, yes, I just want to add one thing that I ri- wrote down, but I thought it was quite funny. Two things, actually. Uh, one was the woman that asks him if they want anything from the trolley. Um, I was just hoping that Harry would say something like, two cans of Stella, please. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's just to get on a train. But he buys everything. Uh, yeah, for that I wrote, newbie rich Potter flexes with trolley sweets. Yes, he does. Uh, I guess kind of nice, though. Treats Ron. And I guess uh, any time he does treat Ron, because yeah. Ron gets treated very fucking badly in the rest of these episodes, in the effort of these films. Um, I then, when they, when they arrive at the school, and they're talking about the different houses, I have questions. Mm. Someone said, I think it was Ron, that all the bad wizards came from Slytherin. That's right, yeah. Why, Sorry, isn't it, why is Slytherin still there? <sighs> like, it's like it, a status quo thing, isn't it? You need the catalyst. You need the bullies, and they have to go somewhere. True, true. I, ju- I just guess I imagine it would eventually get to a point where that would be closed down. Yeah. But, I mean, given yeah. the track record of things that even in this first film that have gone bad, do you not think the school would have been closed down by now? The, the school has a hospital wing. <laughs> a very popular hospital <laughs> wing, I'll have you know. The, the school, several kids are... Very close to fatally injured <laughs> within the first few sections of this film. So yeah, I, I, I think the school is overdue an inspection. It's, it's definitely right. I also, I've, I've put here, the first day Harry and Ron are late for their first lesson and McGonagall gives them loads of shit for it. But that school is massive and they've never been there before. <laughs> and she says, maybe I should transform you into a map. And I'm thinking, a map would be really helpful. Because me and you were watching that film going... None of this castle makes sense. No. The, the structures that they film externally, they don't suit the internal structures. There's things where they go, and one minute they're inside, then they're outside in, like, a courtyard. What the fuck's going on with that school? It makes no sense. I think the only thing that made me realise they were in the same room half the time was the lighting stayed the same. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the, those kids have no hope. Because it was filmed in about ten different places. You know, it was filmed yeah. on the colleges in Cambridge. It was filmed in different cathedrals across the UK. So I think it is just a case of they literally just filmed anywhere that looked a bit old. Yeah. So it could be anywhere. And <clears throat> Cat Lady offered them... McGonagall. McGonagall. McGonagall offered them a, a, a pocket watch as well. 
and I'm thinking that is actually quite useful. I quite like a pocket watch. Yeah. I think I could suit a pocket watch. Definitely. We need to bring those back. We definitely do. Um, Professor Hans Gruber, uh, Rickman. I mean, how good is Alan Rickman in that film? Oh. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Like, you can't. He's, it's such a shame he died when he did. Yeah. And I think he would have... He's just such a fantastic actor. Every time he's on screen, you just have to shh and listen. Yeah. Like, you have to, because it's Alan Rickman. And he's just brilliant. He's got a very commanding presence, definitely. I can't imagine... I mean, it, for them kids, it must have been amazing just being on set with him all the time. Because imagine... I mean, Daniel Radcliffe himself has said that he learned a lot from Alan Rickman. Um, which, you know, he's just, I just think he's absolutely amazing. And I just call him Professor Hans Gruber, because that made me laugh. <laughs> and uh, being in this, and he was the Sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood, and then he's in this. And for me, the Sheriff of Nottingham role was the one that I was most familiar with when I was a kid, because that's the film I'd watched the most before I'd watched Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, this, this school, uh, yeah, like I say, definitely needs some kind of inspection, and fast. Yeah. Like Wizard Ofsted. <laughs> Wofsted. <laughs> Wofsted. <laughs> Oh. Get Wofsted in. But here, yeah, there's still more diversity in Hogwarts than in Lord of the Rings. That's true. That's true. There, there's nothing... You can't take that away from the... No, it's a franchise. It's pretty diverse, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, they obviously are very accepting of very creepy teachers. Uh, as schools go, they've got their fair share of creepy staff. Yeah. Professor Squirrel. Squirrel. Yes. Uh, I, I put him down as Lizard Man, because there's a scene where he's just holding a lizard. Yeah, he's holding a, a big lizard for absolutely no reason whatsoever. <laughs> and I think, if I remember right, in that scene he's talking about bats. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes no sense either. He's really weird. Obviously, if you've not watched the film, probably best not to listen to this podcast at all. But it's he he is the he's the one you gotta watch out for, isn't he? Not because he's a beautiful, because he is actually a bad guy. He is he's evil. He is. He's he he's is. got an ulterior motive under that turban of his. Yes. And it's um, an ulterior motive in the shape of a face. <laughs> <laughs> a second face. A second face. Um, right. Uh, <clears throat> Harry is somehow quite good on a broom. Despite never having been on a broom. And this is explained in the film. Yeah. Because his dad was also good on a broom. Yes. So Quidditch is... Your critics' skills rather are genetic. They are, yeah. Did you not find it really funny as well that he's um, trained by the token Scottish boy who I thought was Andy Murray <laughs> trying to teach him Quidditch? He was like, hello, Potter, I'm going to teach you Quidditch today. And I just thought it was really strange. And then he is like, supposed to be the Quidditch captain, isn't he? I think he's, the, he's the, the top dude. Yeah. And he's the first kid to get knocked out in the Quidditch match. And quite severely knocked out. He like, gets proper battered. Like, the second kid gets to roll down a flag for a bit and break a fall slightly. Yeah. But he doesn't. He doesn't. He just falls straight off his broom and I imagine isn't very well afterwards. No, I mean, we don't see him again in the whole film, I don't think. Do we see him at the end? I don't know. He might have been in the hospital. He, he, he might be at the end when they're, when they're clapping at numbers that they don't understand. Well, they can't understand the numbers, James. Why? Because they don't do maths. <laughs> they don't, they do, don't maths. do maths in English. English or science. I guess they do potions, which is a little bit close to chemistry, isn't it? Yes. Kind of. Kind of. Chemistry. I mean, it's got to be some chemistry involved. We don't yeah. actually see them make any potions. I think they do make some potions in the later films. There's not all that much magic done by the kids. They experience no, I, magic. Yeah, I, I'll give you that. Yeah. They experience magic, um, except for Hermione, who seems to be able to show off a lot. And 
we're moving rapidly through the film here, but after the Quidditch match, she shows off that she can make feathers float, which isn't a great boast, because I can do that. Feathers naturally float. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of their main properties. It's that's one of their defining traits. That's, that's like when those scientists claimed that they'd cloned a sheep. Yeah. <laughs> <Just all> sheep <laughs> look quite similar yeah. to each other. Could be the same sheep, could be not. We, we just don't know. I agree with you on that, you know. I, had a, I was a big advocate of that when they said that they'd cloned a sheep. And I'm thinking, ah, it could be just a <laughs> different sheep. I, I'm not that good at spotting sheep. I'm no. not. You don't know. How many times have you seen a squirrel and you see another squirrel <laughs> walking the dog and see squirrels all the time? Could it have been the same squirrel? Probably. Probably. Or it could be it might just be the one squirrel hounding you. Yeah, you don't know. It's idea. quite creepy when you think about it. Um, so, Hermione shows off, she can fl float a feather, good for Hermione. This annoys Ron. It does, because he can't do anything, even though he's supposed to be wizard family wizard, he's been in the wizarding world 11 years, he's got four brothers, James, at that school, four <laughs> wizard brothers, they haven't taken him fuck all in all these years. <laughs> so, Ron simply states that Hermione's efficiency is a bit annoying, yeah, which it, it would be. Yeah. She overhears this and spends the rest of the afternoon through till evening tea time yeah, in the yeah, toilet. In the, to in the toilet. Yeah. Um, at which point a troll breaks in. I wanted to just interrupt you there as well. I don't think Ron does any magic in that film. Does he do any magic? I really just had to think about it then. He doesn't do any he doesn't do a single spell, I don't think, in that entire film. All the other kids do, like Harry does the thing yeah. with the troll. Uh, no, actually no, yeah, Ron does the thing with the troll. Sorry, we're yeah. going to the troll bit. He does the wing guiding Leviosa. Which well remembered. Stops the troll's baton or whatever, and it hits him on the head. Yeah, that's yeah. Fine. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you've not seen Harry Potter, you're you're me, and I, I've now seen it now, so we can't do spoilers. Um. Yeah, the troll. I have issues with the way the trolls dealt with. Yeah. The troll doesn't look angry at any point. In the, it looks hurt and upset. It looks like if you just cut to that scene without explaining that trolls are scary, it looks like three kids bullying a troll <laughs> in the toilet. <laughs> you got the advocate for troll rights on the go. <laughs> I uh, no, I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's a bit strange. I don't I mean, think I don't think we ever see a troll ever again in the Harry Potter franchise. Right. If I remember right, and obviously people who are listening to this, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think you ever see another one. I think they're just literally shoehorned in for, I guess, really to give it a little bit of pace. Yeah. It is in the film. It's, it's in the book. There is a bit in the book that they've cut out, which was where Hermione and Harry and Ron are having a tiff with the, uh, the Malfoy and his little cronies who are called Crab and Goyle. Yeah. I don't know if that's established in the film or not, but Crab and Goyle is like a little henchman. He introduces them, I Does think, he, yeah. on the stairwell before yeah, they go Yeah, they, they become quite important in the other films. And they are boasting about something and they have obviously him and Harry have this ongoing feud anyway and they're supposed to do the midnight duel and this is where they organise to go to the third floor corridor for a midnight duel um, at midnight have a fight to settle their score and they go to the third floor and the caretaker Filch with his cat interrupts them and then the kids run in different directions Harry Ron Hermione end up in front of the three headed dog Fluffy so that's a really good set piece that gives you that moment with the dog yeah. which in the film they just sort of end up there. Yeah. There's no real dramatic irony. They just, they just, they're just there. 
So you get a lot of that in the film. So in they the cut film. bits out just to speed it I up. I guess to and... speed it up a bit. And I think the troll bit, they just needed to give it a little bit of pace. Yeah. Because I think once you've done a lot of work establishing stuff, like this film establishes a hell of a lot of stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got to keep... There's a lot of spinning plates. Um, some things aren't resolved, and I'm guessing not resolved in the book either, because the, the caretaker has a cat. Yes, he does. The teacher is sometimes a cat. <laughs> you struggle with this a lot, don't you? I mean, cats are dealt with in quite an awkward way. Owls no, no, yeah, Owls fine. have a fairly set job. They deliver mail, and they are looked after by some of the kids. But cats don't seem to have a defined role. There are more cats in oh, this film. Okay. There's going to be... I think Hermione gets a cat in film three. Ron's got a rat, hasn't he? Yeah, That's he, he electrocutes. He does, he tries to turn it yellow. That rat, and again, podcast listeners who are Harry Potter fans are going to be like kicking me or kicking James. That rat becomes really important. Really? <laughs> I never thought of myself say something so stupid. Okay, yeah. so that rat is a really I'm, important part of the film. I'm going to keep my eye out on the rats. Good. Do that. Um, pagans. Yep. <laughs> Didn't know where you were going with that. Where are you going with this? Pagans somehow yeah. celebrate Christmas. Yes. Big thing. No understand that at all. This was my best friend Mark argument when we were at school is that people that were Christians at our school refused to read the Harry Potter books because they, um, obviously there's witchcraft and wizardry and it's like Satanism and all that kind of stuff. And Mark says, yeah, but they celebrate Christmas. And that's a really good point. They do. They don't, they, they do celebrate Christmas. They do Christmas on the 25th. They celebrate Halloween for God's sake as well. I guess that is a pagan festival though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's not like, a token Christmas celebration like there's a guy the guy that teaches them to float the feathers which again I think he's coasting it's Warwick Davis it's Warwick da Warwick Davis then shows that he can also float baubles um, which aren't the heaviest items no I reckon he could probably oh he's not very tall Hagrid could probably put them up for him yeah he's big enough isn't he yeah exactly so I mean I wonder if they're just keeping him around to give him a sort of sense of purpose yeah because the, the, the lessons he's teaching the kids aren't that useful. He's <laughs> called Professor Flitwick, just so you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he does, they do keep that character throughout the series. Okay. He is play Warwick Davis, he does change a lot. They change the way he looks, and I think that's because the different directors come in and things get thrown about a bit. When we get to episode three of this podcast, I mean, God, hope we do, we get yeah. to episode three, we don't get cancelled. Um, I will, we'll go into that because when the new director comes in, lots of stuff starts to go different ways, different directions. So it's interesting. Um, what were you going to say next? What was your next question about it? What was your next bit? Uh, it, next bit was um, the fact that there's a restricted section, section that's on view to everybody. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> so everybody knows that it's there yeah and things that are old in this place work like new things so you have torches that are flames that come on as people approach them which I can get on with that makes sense but then the people approaching these torches that light up a room carry a lamp and <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused by the the, the, the whole the, the physics of everything makes no sense to me. But it's magic, and we yeah. can rule everything out with magic. Um, conscious, we we're running short on time. I'm going to no, skip, skip through. Skip through. Um, I've put 
Um, surely detention with Hagrid won't be dangerous because <laughs> detention can't possibly be dangerous. When I was at school, you just got stuck in a room and you had to write lines or you had to do your homework in silence. Um, no, James, not here. What did you say? You said that they got detention for... <laughs> they got detention for being out of school, out of hours. They should be in bed. Yeah. So the detention is to go out of school, out of hours, <laughs> out of bed. To, to go and see Hagrid, who they were seeing when they got detention. <laughs> it does seem like a strange punishment. <laughs> and then they go into the woods, which is even more dangerous, because at the beginning of the film, uh, Richard Harris's Dumbledore says, whatever you do, don't go in the woods. And uh, an hour later, they're in the woods. They're in the woods. They, they've already done that. It's like saying, don't touch that red button. It was bound it's to gonna happen. It's going to happen, wasn't it? I've put the challenges at the end. Now, obviously, when they go down the trap door under the dog mm. to the challenges, the challenges are tailored to each character. So you've got, like, the, the bit for Hermione where she learns about the, the vines. I think in the book that was a thing. I think they learned about the vines in lesson. Okay. Do you know herbology? You get to see a herbology class at some point, but I don't think it's not in that film. No, she does say we learnt about this in herbology. She does. So it's kind of like exposition. Yeah. Deus Ex Machina. Do you know what? You're going to find this a lot in these films. We're going to talk about it a lot, I think, as we go on. There's a lot of shit in these films where they have to kind of backtrack and double track because they forget to introduce shit in set pieces. They forget to introduce things that are quite important <laughs> later on. So as a reader of the book, it's already on like one page, three lines, it's established. In a film, they struggle to do that quite a lot. Yeah. So there's things that will crop up, especially in five and six and seven, the last books. Big important plot points that are not addressed by the films properly, so they have to rush them in really quickly. And I'm sure we will talk about that as we go down. So that later on, the herbology is an example of that, isn't it? Where it, it uh, she has to say, "We did this in herbology," and then solve the problem. Luckily, though, Harry caught that one snitch that one time. He did, yeah. So when they get into the room full of flying things that look a lot like snitches, he knows what to do. He does. And he does seize the moment and he gets that little key. Yeah. And then the one that you really liked, I could tell on your face when we were watching it, Ron does what I can only describe as a really shit crystal maze <laughs> challenge where he has to win a living chessboard to get across the chessboard to the other room. <laughs> I just love the fact they call it Wizard's Chess and it's just chess. Yeah. It's just chess. I loved it. It's like a shit 90s kids TV it's like the crystal maze yeah and he wins a crystal at the end <laughs> yes he does crystal. yeah he does um, and he's got a bold man down there with him <laughs> it is crystal maze it is although just, I wrote it's just crystal maze I wrote philosopher's stone looks like toffee apple gone wrong he does look like a toffee <laughs> apple and I don't know if it's, if this is because of the actor playing but Voldemort Sounds a lot like the Sorting Hat. Right, I never thought about that. Now I don't know whether that's intentional or whether that it does no. that go into the story. At no, all it does that? not. That's just a real bad error, I think. <laughs> um, Voldemort is seen very briefly in this film, obviously on the back of Professor Squirrel's little face and the yeah. back of his head. He wasn't really cast. I don't know. I'm mean, have to check my facts on this. And again, people are going to. This is the lack of professionalism, I think, on my part. He is CGI'd obviously onto the back of that actor's head, and he, the voice. You mean that was... wasn't real? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't plastic surgery. And then they did the voice. I think the actor that plays Quirrell does the voice of Voldemort as well. Okay. If I remember right, I think that's how they did it. And they hadn't cast him. And Voldemort, as you could probably guess, will make an appearance again. Well, I put. Uh... Yeah. What did I put down? Floaty cloak bloke survives. Floaty cloak bloke survives. Yep. Yeah. 
and he disappears. So they hadn't cast Voldemort. So the Voldemort that we get later on is obviously a completely different Voldemort. It's not. He look kind of a similar look. Yeah. But you could tell that they got to the Voldemort scene and gone, shit, what's he look like? And then they just <laughs> come up with the best thing they could. That was fair. It looked pretty creepy, to yeah. be fair. Later on, when the character's fully fleshed out, mm. he's much better. Okay. Um, much better, and we'll talk about that again in, in later episodes. Um, My next note. Mm. Rich kid gets more gifts in hospital. He does, yeah. Child ends up in hospital despite everything else I've put. Um, he's going to end up in hospital because we've had the hospital established so many times. The fact he didn't end up in hospital sooner, I think, is a shock to me. Um, and then at the end, obviously, um, Harry wins the cup. They win the house cup despite kind of breaking all the rules in the school. And I just said, ah, rich child wins, poor advert. <laughs> and I put, uh, what I imagine is the conversation that will happen when Harry gets home, because I think one of the final parting shots of the film is Harry leaning out of the window of a train, <laughs> waving with a bandage on you his hand. that, didn't you? He and had a broken <laughs> hand and all bruises on his face. And I'm, I'm just wondering, <laughs> as much as his fake parents don't love him... <laughs> I what the fuck's happened to him. In the last year, he's been to a boarding school and he's come back with his arm broken. And, you know, they may take joy from this, I don't well, know. Maybe, but yeah. it, it just seems like... They're going to have to take him round to the local co-op at some point. Questions yeah. are going to be asked. Yeah, yeah. You've got a kid under the stairs that's severely bruised. Child services are going to be on the line. But it's all right. Richard Harris will take care of it. <laughs> and, you know, when they ask the kid, what happened? And the kid has to explain that it happened at wizarding school. <laughs> Those parents are going to go to prison, no matter what. Do you know, though, I... I because obviously as a kid I was really obsessed with Harry Potter when I was really little. This is no, I, I can tell you this because it's fine. When I, I was at the right age, so I grew up with Harry Potter, and I always wanted to go to wizarding school. Googled it, there is no wizarding school, doesn't exist. You can learn magic at school. What you can do at magic school you can also go to is clown college. You can go to clown college. I think there's one in Chesterfield. I Googled this. Absolutely amazing. You, you Googled, wow, you, you were into it then. Well, I just thought, you know, it could be a vocation for me. But I do find clowns a little bit a little bit disconcerting, a bit freaky, so I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't apply. But you can apply. Still up there. Still going. Well, clown college. Who knows? This obviously is episode one. This is episode one, James. Exploration of Harry Potter. I know that there are universities that do courses in this, so I, I'm appreciative of your knowledge and expertise <laughs> in guiding me through what is turning out to be a very worrying story about a child who's traumatized at a young age, and then that trauma continues. <laughs> When he's lied to about being a wizard. What do you think is going to happen next? Where do you think it's going to go? What are you hoping to see? Oh, gosh. Well, I, you, you've already told me that things don't get much better for Ron. They don't. They get a lot worse. I can tell you the, t the title of the next one, if you didn't know, is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Okay. This, the, yeah, this school definitely sounds like it's getting creepier. This school definitely gets creepier in this one. Um, the next one definitely gets creepier. So... I'm expecting uh, more creepy teachers. They've lost one, so I'm assuming they're going to have to rehire. They do. Um, there's a running thing in the Harry Potter series. Yeah. The, the defence against the dark arts teacher, which was a squirrel's post. Yeah. That gets filled every year by a different teacher. Okay. <laughs> and I will explain to you. I'm going to leave you hanging on that one. Yeah. Why that happened. 
Okay. And I don't think it's ever addressed in the films, but it was in the books, so I will I will bring that back up at some point. So the the defense against teasing the, you there, look. Yeah, the, the the those teachers that do the dark arts, then. Yeah. They're kind of like the drummers in Spinal Tap. Exactly, like the drummers in Spinal Tap. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, makes sense. Yeah. I'm looking forward. I've enjoyed this. You like it? Yeah. What do you think? Episode one, eh? Done. Done. Yeah. Scratched off. One down. One down. How many more? Seven, seven to go. Seven more. Okay. This is six books, seven more films. I told you that these kids don't know anything about maths. They don't. They can't count. That's why they made they made an error when they made more films than there was books. <laughs> right. Well, thanks for that, James. I appreciate that. And we're going to uh, sign off now, and we will be back with you all on episode two uh, with the Chamber of Secrets, which is the next one we're going to watch, and then we're going to review it. Probably we'll be trying to do one of these a week. Probably. Yeah. If we, we get time. That. If not, don't hate us. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no hate mail. We haven't given you an email, so you can't give us hate mail. So no, that's good. Uh, yeah, not yet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Future hate mail. I look forward to reading it. All right, thank you. Bye. Bye.